Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, we have an interesting approach to Jesus. We're used to, in the Gospels, having someone seek out our Lord with great desperation, with sincere repentance, looking for healing, looking for restoration, looking for God. But this morning, we encounter a certain lawyer who stands up amidst the crowd and tests our Lord. Now, when you hear lawyer, you don't need to think suit and tie corporate power or something like this, or an ambulance chaser or something, you know, our idea of lawyer. This is not a Roman lawyer either. This is not somebody who stood in the courts. This is a lawyer of the Jews. This is someone who knew the sacred law. One who was well-versed in the scriptures. One who knew, or at least this was supposed to be what he was supposed to know, who knew God. If you had a question, this is who you would go to, to ask. What about this? And how do we approach this? And how do we sacrifice this? This was the guy. And we can see this lawyer standing up and asking what, at least on face value, is exactly the kind of question one would expect to hear. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But we know from Luke that this was a loaded question. This was, in fact, a test. This was someone who is looking to capture our Lord, one who is looking to trip him up, one who is looking to show him up. And our Lord, as we see so many times in his encounters, knows what's going on, and this is going to be a teaching moment. So instead of answering, what does our Lord do? He asks questions back. Since you're a lawyer, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the lawyer, you can just see him to be like, all right, it's my time to shine. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. A hundred percent. He's passed the test. This is exactly what all of the law is summarized under. Love God with everything and love your neighbor. Jesus tells him exactly this. You've answered correctly. It's kind of like, didn't you already know this? You're the lawyer here. And our Lord then says, do this and you will live. What does the lawyer say? Now maybe we can think more of contemporary law here. Kind of trouble the waters a little bit. I'm going to really push the question. 
well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Can you imagine? Did any of you take philosophy classes, just like 101 classes? There was always the guy or the gal who thought they were really hot stuff because they had that question that felt like that was the zinger question. You can just see the lawyer very proud of himself. This is one of those questions. Who is my neighbor? St. Cyril of Alexandria, talking about this lawyer who came to test God, which does not have a very good pedigree in Scripture of testing God, We have the lawyer who is one who's supposed to know the law, the ins and the outs. And this is exactly the person who cannot see the law incarnate, the word himself in their presence. And it's exactly this one who is familiar, not just familiar, but proficient, not just proficient, but, you know, the best that you could get. This is the one who wants to use Scripture to trip up the author of Scripture. What uh, pride, what inability to see, what, uh, I just say ignorance, audacity, what just, for us, of course, is just like, <laughs> You're in the crowd just like this lawyer. But this is exactly something that we all struggle with. Familiarity with scripture, but it's exactly sometimes, you know, over-familiarity breeds contempt. This sense of the use of scripture, or for the lawyer, in fact, the abuse of scripture as a way of trying to avoid God. You can see here the lawyer, and maybe you can think of others, and maybe, probably best, to think of and reflect upon yourself, and the way Scripture can be abused. Scripture used as a cudgel, as some kind of way to inflict distance or pain on someone else. And at the same time, as we can tell later on in this encounter, a way to prop up and self-justify. The use of scripture to be right at all costs. The use of scripture to be able to judge someone else because they don't measure up to what scripture asks. And all this done under the pretext of familiarity with God and with supposedly God's blessing. The lawyer here is not doing something because he doesn't think this is God, that God wants him to do this. He thinks that he's doing God's work by trying to trip up Jesus. Now Jesus responds. This could be a didactic, right? What's your chapter and verse? Let's go, let's back and forth. But what does Jesus do? He tells a story. There's a way to unarm someone. Our Lord tells a story. He tells a story of a man who is destroyed by thieves and left 
on the side of the road, half dead. And he is passed by every single person that you would imagine in Israel that would help. He's passed by a priest. He's passed by someone who is of the priestly class, a Levite, someone who has priests in their family. And notice when they see this man who is half beaten dead, what is the refrain that Jesus uses? They see him and they pass by on the other side. The priest and the Levite, but then someone outside of Israel, one whom all of the Jews and even our Lord would agree, as we know from elsewhere in Scripture, stands outside of the covenant, a Samaritan. As he is passing by this man, he sees him, and he does not make a loop around going to the other side of the road, but he is moved with compassion. And he doesn't just say, I'm moved with compassion and pass by on the other side of the road and said prayers and thoughts and keeps moving. He rushes in with bandages, with oil and wine, the medicine that they would have applied. And he gets off his own animal to put this man on this animal. And he brings him to the inn. And he, this is, of course, this is not what he planned. This is not his journey. And he takes care of him all night. The next day he has to go, but he extends this compassion by giving money and asking the innkeeper to take care of him. And beyond that, whenever I come back, I'll pay whatever is necessary. So our Lord, in hearing the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, wanting to figure out a way to internally say, I see something, I know who is my neighbor, but I have the right to walk on the other side. Right? There is something about self-justification or self delusion that is always sly because it seems wise it seems like it's the right calculation it seems very insightful i have to do x y and z i don't have the ability to do da, 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 da. but if you really step back very often at least i find for myself when i self-justify when i delude myself When instead of compassion, I pass by on the other side. Maybe even thinking of other responsibilities, good responsibilities, wise, righteous things. But that I will use my mind and my knowledge, my abilities to sidestep the weight of the call of Christ. That I will justify my actions at the expense of others. That I can even use God or church or something like that as a pretext and as a justification when Christ is present in the person that is standing before me that I want 
to sidestep, that I want to walk around. Now the Samaritan stands as the one who does not self-justify, who doesn't seem to really even think, he just acts. His heart is wide open, and in his vulnerability, he engages someone who's going to encumber him, who's going to be a great weight, who's going to sidetrack him, who's going to cost him some money, who is going to inconvenience him. And this is the man who knew who his neighbor was. This is who our Lord puts before us as one who knew the law, even though they stood outside of the law. This is the heart that we saw last week with the woman seeking healing for the issue of blood, or Jairus looking and begging our Lord. Because the Samaritan does not use all sorts of other excuses to walk around Christ present in this broken man. Now how can we avoid being like the lawyer and be like the Samaritan? St. Paul tells us in the, his epistle to the Ephesians that we have received from God life itself but salvation. That we need to see our existence as gift. That we need to see God as overflowing richness of mercy and love. That he himself has placed us in the high places with Christ Jesus. This is the only way that we can bear the weight of others, that we can actually encounter those and actually not try to justify or make some kind of built-up explanation why they're not our neighbor, why we need to actually attend to them. Because God has given us the gift of reality itself. God has given us the gift of the person before us. And the only way that we can handle, that we can attend, is if we are moved by the immense love of Christ that he has for us. That is by grace that we have been saved. Not because we know bits of the law, but that we were made by God to do exactly what the Samaritan did. To see brokenness and to rush in with compassion to bandage wounds, to pour on oil and wine, to set them on our own animal, to bring them to the inn. And historically, the church, do you know how often this parable, this story is interpreted? This is the Samaritan bringing somebody to church. This is the Samaritan bringing somebody in, into the depths of the loving hospital of God, where Jesus Christ and God himself are the innkeepers who will take care of, who will dress up, who will heal, who will put before us the everlasting meal where we will all gather together. So as we encounter scripture, as we read scripture, let us think 
of Christ. Let us encounter and see the heart of God. Let's not be adding up uh, little bits of knowledge, but let us be working on our hearts to make them warm, to make them ready to pour out in compassion for those that we encounter so that we may bring them in to join us at the table of God himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.